Hello, and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends? This week's guest is Jack Payne. He's a merchandise manager, and he's worked with all sorts of absolutely massive bands. This is also quite possibly the most full circle episode I have ever done, and in an interesting way, where I worked for the first band that ever hired him, and I I watched him do his first ever tour, really. And we talk about that and we talk about just how young both of us were and what that felt like and how wild that was. And now catching up after honestly a couple of years, seeing what he's accomplished and all of it was just this absolutely wild thing. It was a really fun episode for that reason. And I'll leave it there. We'll get right into it. With that said, if you're liking this podcast, if you've been listening, if this is your first time finding it, whatever it is, the biggest and best thing that you can do is spread the word of the podcast. Word of mouth has been the best way for it to grow and it really means a lot to me so please do share it if you like it if you love it subscribe on spotify or on apple podcasts i was pushing apple podcasts really hard but honestly spotify has been really showing love to podcasters so make sure to follow me on spotify there too let's get into it where are all my friends with my dear pal my joking cooler younger brother (laughs) jack payne And I say that because, my goodness, we have known each other for a long time. And this is going to be a fun episode because I'm sure we're going to have some good old days to talk about. But in the in the latter days of you, as as you have continued to grow up and do your thing, I feel like you have progressively just become cooler and cooler. And every time I see you, I'm just like, dang, (laughs) that's my cool brother. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'll take, I'll take that. I'll take that from you. So let's start it off for anybody who doesn't know who you are. Briefly tell me who you are and what you do. Uh, I'm Jack Payne. Uh, I'm 25. I'm from the UK and I'm a merchandise manager in the music industry. Uh, I, I, I do a few other creative projects, but my, uh, my depot, my ga- my main gig is uh, merchandise management. Yep. And I think the listeners will figure out pretty quickly why this is a fun and special episode. But we took you, the band that I very first started touring with, we took you out on tour when you were just a wee, wee little lad. <laughs> My guy, I know. I was, I I think when I first reached out to you guys, I was maybe 14 or 15. Yeah. And then by the time I was touring with you guys, 17. Yeah. <laughs> And like, we just, for some reason, we're like, yeah, sure. Why not? He seems down. And bearing in mind, I'm from the UK and you guys are in the US. (laughs) I mean, what were my parents thinking? I don't know. I don't know. And we have so much to talk about there, but I think that this is really cool because it's a full circle moment because like you really have established a life for yourself and a career in music for yourself. And I've watched you grow up and kill it. Like you're doing very big, very real things now. And to be honest, like outside of a little bit of DMing back and forth, we haven't proper caught up in, in a, a minute. While. A yeah. Long time. So this is going to be fun. Like we've got some good old days to reminisce on, but we've also got some some actual storytelling to do here. Oh yeah, I'm excited, man. Uh, you also have a podcast. You just started a podcast, which I know literally nothing about. So you're going to have to tell <laughs> me about that. We've we've got some Look. catching up to do here. In good old typical, where are all my friends fashion, my favorite spot to start is 
your first like finding music or finding the thing that you felt passionate about where that was how you discovered it and what that looked like at a very early age and maybe where you were growing up just paint that picture for me absolutely um so i grew up in a place called gravesend no i'm not joking gravesend um <laughs> in kent in the uk it's southeast and uh i was primarily a football player a soccer player um mm. And that was kind of my thing growing up. Every weekend, I played football every weekend. And then I got to maybe age 14, 15, and there was a teacher at my school. He was kind of like, if you're a guy, you thought he was the cool one. And if you're a girl, then you probably had a crush on him. He was like the younger, cool guy that worked at the school. Yeah. And uh, he he started opening up to like the students that he had a band and he, he threw a, like a I'm not sure if it was like a talent show or just a, or just a concert in general um, at the school one evening, like for uh, kids to attend. And his band played. That's all I remember. But it was like my first intro to alternative music. And from there, I just started discovering. Well, to be fair, he played a playlist before they went on. I think it was bands like Mayday Parade and um, the kind of Warped Tour world. And it just opened my eyes and I just latched onto it. And I would go to my teacher's gigs. And then I discovered... Um, yeah, a, a bunch, like a whole realm of just loads and loads of bands. And I would start going to concerts and gigs. And I just, can we I pause guess, for a second? Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I just can't. That is brilliant. Being a teacher and being like, all right, all right, check it out, kids. You already think I'm cool. I'm the young guy. I've got this band and I need some people to listen. Right. I'm throwing a talent show and y'all are my fans now. That is the best hustle. Like, imagine being him, being like, all right. We need some fans. I got a whole school's worth. <laughs> Mate, it gets better. They print. They they printed shirts and they're having their first headline show at, um, in London. So it's the first time they're playing in London, and they sold about fifty tickets to students, and everyone bought a t-shirt and a ticket, and we all went on the train together from Gravesend <laughs> to London. That is the best hustle. If you're in a band right now and you're trying to figure out how to get your start, go hustle <laughs> any high school that you know and just be like, "What up?" <laughs> Honestly, it worked. That's so funny. Okay, so he is in a band. He's the cool guy teacher, plays a playlist, kind of gives you that first taste of like bands that aren't on the radio. Exactly. So I'm listening to, you know, heavier music, um, discovering bands on YouTube. And um, I can't really remember how else back then, but going to shows, definitely going to shows on YouTube. And to be honest, which is kind of quite early in this, but where we connect is. I actually discovered this band called Set It Off from Florida and I felt like I kind of at this time I unlocked like a little secret thing because it was kind of like they weren't very big they wasn't that known in the UK at all let alone in the States so I just kind of latched onto it and it kind of you know I just really liked the music and they quickly became like a band that I looked up to as well as other bands and I just kind of felt like I found this place and I started skating with people in the town that I lived in and just it was the first time I kind of felt like outside of the football thing earlier in my life that I had like a little place that I felt comfortable and a little niche that I felt good in. Yeah. Um, How old are you point, at that point? Um, 14, 15, probably close to 15, quite late. But what, I did, what oh, year is that? Just so I can think of the like 10 when years you said ago, it. so 2010. Okay, so set it off was like two years old. Yeah, see, I wasn't that early. I wasn't quite when I think Cody was like, I didn't know that like 
he had done that thing with Alex from ATL. Okay. I, I wasn't there when that had happened. Like it was after. Like, I think I look back on that kind of thing. You know those kind of videos. I wasn't there when that was happening. I was. I would look back on that. I think so. It was later. So you that. just found it as like an associated band. You were just like getting into bands yeah. like Mayday Parade and all that, and you're like, oh, cool. Yeah. This one's awesome too. I think I must have been an all-time low fan, and then like maybe found that Cody video. I don't know. Okay, so you just discovered bands like this. You're still just in school, being a kid, doing what you do. What happens next? Um, so it comes to when uh, I'd have got to about 16, and that comes to the time in the UK where you decide whether you're going to stay on and do two years of further education in high school, which they call um, sixth form, or if you're going to go to something called college, which is outside, and then you progress on to university. So there was a music yeah. technology course um, at a different school that I was at, but there was a music tech course going on that you didn't need to be able to play an instrument at, but there was a place for you, apparently. So I thought brilliant because I didn't play an instrument, but I just found this new passion, absolutely falling in love with it. I was like, even if, you know, maybe I work in a studio or I'll, you know, look into label stuff. Or magic. I didn't have a clue, but I just knew I wanted to indulge in it. So, yeah. um, did I you have the inclination it. to learn how to play or were you just excited? You know what? For some, so I did, my parents got me guitar lessons with the guy that taught my brother and I, I did them, but I, for some reason I, I clearly didn't have a drive to play because I would do the lessons, but I wouldn't practice in my spare time. But I just love listening to music and going to gigs. So I think yeah. why my story has gone how it has in the end, it kind of makes sense. But I would never had like a real passion to like try and play and be that lead, but just had a real interest in every other part of it, I think. No, I, I mean, I'm similar, right? Like I found yeah. music and loved it, but mm. it was like, it didn't even make, it wasn't even an idea to be like, wait, if I like this so much, why don't I try to I do know, it? I like, know, I didn't think I had, about that. Yeah, I like know. I had an acoustic guitar and I was like, I don't know, I'm shit at this, but my yeah. friends are great. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. So funny. Yeah. Okay, so you find that class and it gets you involved with music and you're not playing, but you're stoked. Yeah, I'm stoked. I'm going in and in the class there was um, free three studios to the left and three studios to the right and the tutors were pretty relaxed so they would just let us go off into rooms and work on our projects record and then bring back what we had to but if you didn't play an instrument the way that they're getting you on the course and getting away with it is basically they would say oh you know you can use the other musicians and ask them to record for you but <laughs> obviously they're just about you know they're 15 year olds they're just getting about getting their own projects done let alone trying to help other people so um i was trying to just wing it every every time where i didn't you know clean complete a project and i was just falling behind and struggling with it but the whole other time i was every night on email cold emailing about 200 tiny tiny bands or band management friends you know asking to go on tour for experience and i would just go through this website called Songkick and just search for you know like 100 to 300 cap rooms and then find bands that are touring over the next month or two and then go on their Facebook, find, go on the About Me page, Facebook page, and then just email them. And I'd get about 80% no's or no response. And then, funnily enough, the guy, well, I've got a buddy staying with me right now and he's the singer of the first band that ever took me on tour in the UK. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah, he's, he's visiting Brighton right now, which is hilarious. Wait, so there. you had toured before we took you out? Yeah, which is why, I, you know what, I think that actually might be why. Unless he really didn't know, but I thought... Um, Maybe that's why you guys hit me up is because you'd seen maybe I'd done one or two. I'd done one. I think I'd done one. And then I, that was in the March. And then the tour first tour, I did, you guys was in like the September, I think, the Left Tomorrow Tour. Because in my memory, I remember that you were literally just a fan that we liked. Like really? you hit us up and you were just a fan, but you were really oh, no, nice mate, to us. No offense, and you were right, pretty normal. 
Oh yeah, no, I was normal, but bro, I knew that I knew that I was I was also paving my path. Like I was being smart with it. Like I knew that you were the only crew member, and you were gonna have to be TM eventually, and I was gonna I was gonna figure this part. I knew that. Like it was planned. No way. Of course it was. Dude, we didn't even think that far. Legit. Oh, like, bro, it was. Oh, I manifested it all. I swear. I love that. Yeah, like legit. What I remember is it had to have been MySpace at the time, but Mate. you were you were down yeah. like we needed somebody to do merch and you message and you were like yo i'll do it for free and we're like oh this kid yeah he's a fan of the band but he's really nice and he's like super yeah. normal and he'll do it for free and like we re- like because yeah you were probably like 17 and mm. i remember us being like he's pretty young but, though but, but 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 you're forgetting before i did the tour i came out for a week just to hang that's right yeah i just flew out for a ha- i was 16 years old i just flew out for a week to hang and you guys That's threw a show so in Florida. You threw a show in Orlando, so I could see you guys. That's yeah. We and that's like, the whoa. first time. I think that's the first time actually. So that's the first time I saw how a show had worked. I'd never been behind the scenes in a gig before. That was the first ever time at the Bat Booth in Orlando, and like setting. I, I was like, "Can I help set up merch?" Like I, I was buzzing, dude. I wanted to be a crew member, right? So, and I was probably like so overworked yeah, or something. Fucking, I was yeah, like, "Yeah, do like, it, God, whatever. I don't dude, care." Like, guest list or something, yeah. Um, <laughs> So that's that's my first taste of it. And that was before the tour I did. So I think I came back from that trip being like, right, I fucking know what I want to do. And that was just from that tiny bat boo show, which is ridiculous. And then, then I did the tour. That would have, that's what would have happened. It's funny because I feel you on that. Like for me, I, I came from working in dental sales and consulting before I was touring. And I made a lot of money, but I was just miserable. And mm. then I went out with Set It Off on the first run ever and within like a weekend of shows, just selling shirts, I was like, oh, this is what the fuck is up. Like, I love this. Right. So it's so funny that you had a same moment of that. Absolutely. Like, I, I remember coming back from the, that first tour we did and I was like, so does that mean like I get to do all their tours now? Or is that just one time thing? Like, and uh, oh my God. But that really paved it because although one, as a British person, being able to say I'd done a US tour so early, I was I was CV building. I was, you know, I was resume building. So I was still cold email at this point, even after that first tour. So I was coming, but I was coming back and I was picking up tours in the UK. Then I was slowly charging like, you know, 50 pound a day, you know, picking it up. So I was touring in between you guys. And then after the day I stopped working with you guys, I just kept it. And then. Yeah. It. Okay. I have to know though. So, cause for us again, it was, you're right. You did come out and then you were our friend and we're like, oh Yeah. He's like our, it, it kind of felt like like the movie Almost Famous. Like you were the like young, wide-eyed kid and we're like, well, yeah, he's really friendly. And like, it was like, we, we wanted to like be your big brothers. We wanted to make sure that people weren't mean to you, but you were like really nice and excited. And we're like, yeah, screw it. We'll bring him out. He's down to do it for free. But like, what was your impression of that? Like, what do you remember? Cause I, I, dude, we were all so young. Like, the, the funniest thing is I don't I don't know if I realized like that you weren't even that you guys weren't that much older than me I don't know but to me I would you know I remember when I first got reached out to about doing a tour and then you know it was like fucking Christmas waiting for the email about you know what I mean it's compared one it's confirming your first tour but also in my eyes it was like the band that my favorite band dude because I think we kind of knew that we knew that we were like 
not doing you a favor, but we knew you would be stoked. Yeah, but also it worked out well because then at the time you wouldn't be able to afford to have an extra body on the road, really. Not like you at could all. have had a friend, probably, but someone also, and I had the passion because I was a fan. I wanted to help, like, and yeah. I genuinely, you know what I mean? Like, and, and also we I think felt that that. it worked well with the fans. Like, I think the fans liked that it was someone they knew that came from the community too. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was a real yeah. family vibe back then with the whole, whole oh, band dude, and completely. Fans. Like, they smashed it with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, it's true. Like it, it was a real community and it was like fun for us to be like, yeah, remember our fan Jack? Like he stepped up and he wants to tour. So we did it. But like, what are, like, what are some of your first memories, like getting in the van and like, what, like what stands out to you? Cause I legit, I like, remember, I remember a couple of things. I remember please. the first day we pulled up. I can't remember if it was at Jacksonville. I can't remember if the first show was in Jacksonville, but you guys already knew Divided by Friday, but they were on this tour too. And that's when I first met them which was okay. great because I had a good relationship with them. But I remember the first venue and I, I was doing merch, but obviously we were all helping out. And I remember like, I mean, I didn't know anything about instruments and I was suddenly putting drums on stage in Florida, like, and selling merch and sweating my tits off. I remember that. It had been super hot and sweating a lot. But um, it was the first time I ever felt like I had real responsibility and it just gave me like complete drive and motivation. And I learned, I mean, you guys obviously taught me my first ever real kind of like tour etiquette and kind of just trying to think of any small ones. I remember that I remember being like called out a lot for only eating Skittles. <laughs> um, I rode shotgun quite a bit. There was some hefty drives, sleeping on floors, bro. I remember, I remember like, oh god, what's some that I remember specifically? Just ridiculous. Oh my god, dude, I, I saw a video. I have to send you this after this. Fuck. Okay, I, I um a video of us outside the Middle East in Boston and we're singing a song with DBF. It's like me, you, Max and Cody. It's like Al, Matt. I think it's just them two from that band, but we're just like chanting this song. I can't remember what song it was. Was that Division One eighth grade boys second place? <laughs> I think it might have been. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I remember memories. that. Oh, mate. There's just so many small ones and like, I remember, I just remember like, the first time feeling like free like I don't know I feel like I, I mean I never really drove a car but I feel like imagine it's first time, like when someone drives a car for the first time like I just felt like I don't know being I was from the UK a small town suddenly like full-on just traveling the states at like 17 like working for a rock band that I really liked and also the yeah. first tour I did with you guys wasn't a small tour like for the where we were at like we were sporting there for tomorrow I think we're on it yeah at the so time was that was size. like a sort of relevant tour yeah it was yeah I remember it being like, oh shit, like, it was probably Set It Off's biggest tour as well as mine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, at that time, yeah, that was an exciting one. I do remember that. It's crazy that you say that too, because like, you kind of got me feeling emotional right now because your explanation of that is what I felt when I first started touring. And it's crazy to think that we didn't even realize it but paid that forward to you and that was an experience oh in the if if i wasn't a set it off fanboy i wouldn't there's no way i'd be you know where i am that's so nuts because i feel it like i i was small town kid super shy didn't come out of my shell and then touring with those dudes changed everything Mm -hmm. so it's wild to hear that I was a part of that for you and we were a part of that for you not that long after. I actually remember one specific memory is when, so you guys came to Europe for the first time, I believe. 
You just put in yellow yeah, cards. Yeah, yeah. And you stayed at my parents' house for like three or four nights. We watched and, James uh, Bond think, one night. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I even remember actually, I must have started touring already, definitely by Europe, because I think I sort of like, helped you guys find the van high and get it real cheap for a friend or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And then, and then, um, yeah, just that whole UK experience, staying at the house. And then, what was it? So, oh, I remember actually, remember for that tour, I think I was so keen to be on it that I don't think there was a bus space because you were sharing a bus. So I went around on like train. So I was just oh. going around the show. Do you remember? Dude, I didn't remember that until now. You were out helping us. And you're right. Yeah, because we, we shared a bus. And I was we were, so keen. That's, I was so keen. That is so nuts, dude. Damn. All right. Well, I wanted to I wanted to spend a little bit of time reminiscing. I thought that would be fun, but you have so much more to your story. Um, those were very fun days. And it's wild to talk to you about it now because it feels like an entire lifetime ago. I rarely I talk about my touring days now. So there there aren't too many people that know those days and that that we get to talk about it like that. So that's that's cool. It's unbelievable. So from what I recall, I think we fast forward a couple years and I think Set It Off did Warp Tour 2013. You were out with us for a while. You were doing merch. And that's kind of the last, like, like after that, it was, you kind of went and did your own thing. Yeah. So I, um, I did that tour and then I had some UK bands that were basically throwing me a lot of stuff. It was all UK based and I was spending a lot more time back in the UK rather than in the States. So um, I was working with a band called Lonely the Brave that basically they kind of became that next kind of small career band for me in the UK. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I was earning. Like they were paying me, you know, small amount, but it was the first time I was earning. But they also had just signed to Sony. They're like the new up and coming artist. So I had like three or four months booked, whereas, you know, looking good and the UK shows were selling out and stuff like that. So I did a few UK bands for a little while and just kept trying to push that. And every time I was doing the tour and getting them offered, I was trying to, you know, make sure the venues were, were climbing and building relationships. But every tour I was still booking them was directly through management or a contact through TM or through a band. It was still small scale stuff. Um, definitely still in the rock and alternative world. I was still in that genre. Um, I didn't kind of transition over to more mainstream stuff until later. But that would have been. But then, yeah, well, to be fair, because I still did Warp Tour like every, I did Warp Tour like three, four times. I did that year, 13, 14, 15, and 16. So I would say up until about 15, 16, I was still heavily in the, you know, AP, Kerrang World, bands like mm-hmm. Paris, Bring Me the Horizon. Um, just primarily focusing on merchandise management, but basing myself in LA when I could and not when I was on tour. And then I took mm-hmm. a small, small break out of touring to work for a YouTuber as his personal assistant in LA. So. Um, I was dating a girl in LA and I've been with her for quite a while. So I started working for this British YouTuber and uh, yeah. basically moved in with him in Beverly Hills and would film his vlogs for him, edit them, um, run his schedule for him. I only did that for like four or five months, but I just felt like I'd maybe, I don't know. I, it's, I, to be honest, all I do, I think it seemed like an exciting opportunity at the time. So I just jumped at it, um, but realized quite quickly it wasn't for me. I didn't really want to be someone else's assistant. <laughs> yeah. Was um, it was it just that you didn't want to be an assistant or was it also just like a different world? Like it's something I don't really know, you know, like I know a couple of kids that primarily live off of YouTube, but I've also, I don't know the depths of it. And I'd imagine yeah. if you were that close to it, I hear that it's its entire own world and click yeah. and no, thing. Yeah, for sure. 
No, basically, well, it was also we were friends and it went into business, which yeah, always be interesting as one thing, but um, especially when you're living with each other. So there just wasn't great communication with like, you know, how many hours a day I'm going to be with you. Like, because I, I was filming his vlogs, which was like his daily life. So it's like, yeah, so how much of your day. day am I filming? It's all of it. Exactly. So, yeah, it just got very, very intense um, and not great communication. So it was just more so that. Um, but some of the stuff that, yeah, was coming through an email, like the YouTube world is interesting because the offers are very real and very good. And um, I mean, this was in 2014, 2015. So it's way smaller than compared to now. But it's still this small little, you know, and also, I was never an assistant before, and it, it does kind of mix into a corporate world when the, when the YouTuber is, you know, successful because you're going into meetings and things like this. And yeah, I was still only like 19 or 20. <laughs> I was I was just like roaming around, and we'd we'd skating on penny boards to these meetings, and I'd be like, yeah, I'm his assistant, and they'd be like, oh, I thought you were one of the other YouTube kids. <laughs> That's funny. But I wasn't really like running meetings or anything. I was just I was keeping his schedule, helping him out creatively. But I just got that title more than anything but yeah 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 okay so then do you stay in california after that or what happens after that yeah i was mostly in california until 2016 but i was still primarily working my, my tours and the artists were primarily still uk european based um or if they're american artists i was still the tours i was doing were still primarily but over there um but i would be basing myself in la to be a friends and other creative projects um i came back to the UK in 2016 one because I was chasing this LA thing and I wasn't getting permanent residency so I thought I'd go back to the UK and just try and build a hub there start that up again and then I decided I would uh, go to barber school what <laughs> I didn't know that yeah no I um what, basically wait, <laughs> when um the end of 2016 basically i did a tour of sigur ross for like eight weeks and then i was like what right, i'm stopping touring i'm gonna bar wait, school. wait 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 this is <laughs> this is where i need to just catch up with my friend here for a second first off you did a tour with sigur ross that's so sick i love that band Man, so much that must have been honestly, a spiritual experience every night bro some of the nicest guys i've ever met and just the way they treat their crew, unbelievable. And I, the crew were incredible. I was, it was like a six to eight week tour. I can't remember. It's, it's a super long tour for Europe. Arena's massive and the production is insane. And there was two nights during the tour where they took the crew out and put like a certain amount of money behind it for a free bar for the crew. Like, you know, super took care of us. It was one of the best Bro. tours today. Unbelievable. I, okay, then we have to, because that... You did kind that, of like get you know to what? another that was level. The, oh, sorry. That was probably, yeah, I was, was going to say that's probably the start of that. Yeah, because you were saying like you did a lot of bands that were like alt-press Kerrang, kind of like that rock band. Did you did you tour with Paris and Bring Me as well? You, I know you mentioned them, but I don't know. Yeah, so I did only in Europe again. I only did one tour with Bring Me, but Paris, I did like two or three. So That okay. was on the latter end. Again, here, this is some pals catching up. I'm very impressed right now. I remember young Jack Payne just being a wide-eyed fan of music, but like once that fire was lit, you were oh, on. Yeah. Like you were yeah. really chasing it. And yeah. like was that at that point you're like, yo, cool, like I've got this merchandise manager thing on lock. 100% within yeah. like because the thing is the one thing I've prided myself on quite highly is I've always maintained it to be full-time. I've never had to have another job. 
Wow. Um, since 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 beginning, obviously the first year I was living at home still. But as soon as I was a year in, like by the time I was 18, my parents moved to France. And I think that gave me a kick up the ass as well and just a bit of drive. But, you know, don't get me wrong. I was very fortunate when I was in L.A. and places where I was in the U.K. I was often between tours, staying with friends for either quite cheap or for free on, you know, couches and stuff. I wasn't living, even if I was in cool places, I wasn't living a luxurious life. I was one dollar ready meals sometimes riding the bus, not getting Uber. Like I was just yeah. happy. I was pushing myself to be in the, in the places, though. Um Bro, there's and no shame just, in that though. Like that's no. sick. And dude, like, I was that's, fucking that's I was dry. 18, 19. I'm, I was in LA. I might have been at the same party or networking event as someone, but I might have taken the bus. Who fucking cares? I was dude, 19. That's <laughs> I'm from so UK, sick. in the UK. I don't care. You know, dude, like I, I just, that it deserves being talked about right now of that because my perception, it, it almost to a fault was like, because I met you so young and you were the wide-eyed, excited kid it was almost like I didn't understand the the tenacity that you had of just how also, fucking hard you were going. I wasn't, I think I was scared to be super open to you yourself, maybe more so than even the guys in the band, just how much I wanted at first, even when I first connected with you guys about wanting to be that, because I didn't want to come across as, like, primarily I just thought you guys were cool and wanted to be homies if like, because that we, you know, we had a communication, but I didn't want to be like, trying to come in and step on toes do you know what i mean I, I knew very early it's like i wanted to, you know what i mean like damn i don't know i tried to just kind of play it right uh-huh i mean like i get it right i totally get it but it's also like i don't know i i now i almost look back and personally wish that i had had learned a little bit more of really what you were going for right Mm. I mean, we were all so young, but it's cool to hear it. Like, but I didn't that, realize how in you were. Yeah. I also, I feel like I look back and I think, fuck, you guys, you know, you guys were younger than I am now. You guys were like 21, 22 at this time. And to we think that you guys we were, were running decisions and like to think <laughs> if I was having to, do you know what I mean? Like, you just think yeah. it's mad. It's, yeah. We were all doing real mad stuff. I know. I look back at that still and I'm just like, how did we do what we did? We were just kids. But okay, so it was on. After that, you would you would that that's so cool that from such a young age, like granted you started early, but that you did make it your full-time job at any cost and that you were able to stay in LA and do all that. You go and do a tour with cigarettes. You you climb and do the most relevant bands in Kerrang AP world. Then you transcend that. You go and do something with Sigur Ross. Why the fuck did you then decide out of nowhere to go to barber school? What? Dude. So, and also to go back onto that note, it was always the goal that like, and I did see it as like a ladder. There was like a ladder that was, it was quite obvious. And no disrespect to the alternative world or Kerrang or um, AP bands at all, but it was just, I saw the walk tour ladder and it was kind of the walk tour, you know, that kind of scenes ladder. And once I felt like I'd kind of hit, not a ceiling with it, but like the kind of the bigger artist in that world, there was only, I just had, I knew I wanted to go pop slash mainstream. I wanted to, because yeah. I never see, even though I want to progress the merch ladder, I, I never see merch, maybe even as the end. I want to, you know, maybe go through production, but sorry. Yeah. I a little tangent there. <laughs> no, 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 please. And I'm going to come back to that because I'm curious about that. So once we tell your story, I want to talk about like Absolutely, how you yeah. view merchandise managing and like where that goes. 
But tell me about that moment. Like, what, were you like defeated, or like what? What made you just be a like, cool? Yeah. So basically, time? I was in the relationship with a girl that I was in when I came back to the UK in sixteen, and that's the first time I moved to Brighton. And I was on walk tour in two thousand sixteen, and I came back to the apartment that she had chosen whilst I was in the states for like that seven weeks. Yeah. Moved in, and I just I was in a you know I was in a pretty tough spot mentally I, I was really really struggling with having a life in LA and all my friends there but not being able to have a permanent visa to live there permanently and then mm. all my work being in Europe and not having friends too many friends in the UK so I just had this relationship and I became miserable and she didn't want me to tour anymore and she was the only person I had really in the UK so I was just like okay I guess I she, she thinks I should get a job at home so I'm gonna do that so I found this course in London that was like beginner to shop ready in nine weeks just five thousand pounds <laughs> and i was like this is the answer holy so shit bro yeah how long did that last i quit after seven weeks let's go <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair i was still kind of i was defeated but i i had a somewhat i, I had convinced myself that touring was no longer for me and then maybe i'd run it run its course and uh, you know whatever so i i started working on how i could find a gig you know maybe still within the music industry definitely not barbering now i realized i didn't want to be people's heads <laughs> they're not yeah. all so clean um <laughs> but i had an offer come through from i worked for this band called the hunter in the uk i did a couple of tours with them and their management company approached me and asked if i wanted to um basically run merchandise and retail for their management company Oh, and it'd be a work from home gig and a salary. And I would just have complete creative control on like, you know, making sure the artist merch is ready for tours. We did a pop up shop tour alongside the tour. So I went on tour and instead of doing merch, I'd run a pop up shop tour alongside the tour. And every date we had a location next to the near the venue that we run a pop up shop. Um, That's a cool gig. Yeah, it was. But they only had like two or three artists on the roster. And I think in about four months, I only did about other than the pop up shop tour, I did about 25 hours work on my laptop from home. And I was just super unmotivated again. And it was like, the salary was fine. It was nothing to do with that. It was just literally nothing to do. And it didn't give me a drive to do my own projects. For some reason at that time, I was just super demotivated. Um, and I just, I, it only lasted there as well, like in that four or five months. So I started reaching out to all my merch companies again and was like, your boy's back. I'm like, Yo. I, the thing is, I dropped all my artists though. I, you know, I told all my artists that I had a few like kind of big artists like Wolf Alice and UK and Europe and, um trying to think as i look up at all the limits uh, <laughs> i can't remember there was a few artists that i had and because of the barber thing and i'd obviously you know pass it on to other other you know merch guys or it'd yeah. been passed on for me so i just reached out and luckily again warner i the guy my head of touring in the uk matt lambert like my guy he's kept me afloat and made sure he's basically put me he i feel like he's kind of taken me under his wing and hasn't kind of told me this but i kind of see it and appreciate it is because not only does he keep me busy, but again, over the last three, four years, every few, every other, you know, maybe every other tour, it's just a step up. It's yeah. always a step up and he's pushing me and he's like, you can tell have to do. I'm not, I'm not employed by them. I'm self-employed, but he, you know, he just, I guess he likes the work I do, but he's always like pushing me to climb that ladder. Okay. So there's two insanely important pieces of what you just said in that story. One, mm -hmm. I think having somebody that believes in you like that is one of the most incredible things in the world. And it's like, mm. I, 
when those people are in your life, like it's so rad because there's certain times where maybe you don't see it yourself or whatever, but they just, they have that vision and they believe in you and they push you to do those things. And it's so incredible. So shouts to him and shouts to Dude, anyone like that. I know. The other thing is I think that it takes an insane amount of honesty and humility to look at your life and to realize, damn, what I was doing was sick and I'm going to go back to that, right? Yeah. To, to try something new and to be like, I'm out, I'm done touring, I hit my ceiling. And then to try to change your life and then to come back to that, right? Like, oh, it's hard. Dude, and it felt, and it was only a matter of like six to eight months. And I, to be honest, I was quite open with the merch companies when I was stepping down. I mentioned I was going to the barber school, but I was also mentioning that I didn't think I was in a good place to be on the road. So yeah. I was quite open. but um. Luckily, the, the the people that you know I've been working with ever since then uh, were completely. I mean, there was no reason not to. Like, there wasn't ever an issue on the road or anything. It was just more that I took the step to do it. But yeah, you kind of um, whenever got in I reached head. out, yeah. And the first tour back was my first tour of Why Don't We, which is the boy band I work for. And I was thrown oh. right back it came to it. So it was like, all right, Jack's back, like big because they're a boy band. The demographics, yeah, you know, teenage girls, and it's a big merch gig. So, and, and since then, that has been your gig. Like, since you came back to it, it's only been this progression of you staying with it and doing bigger and bigger tours with very relevant artists, yeah? Yeah, so definitely, yeah, primarily merchandise management, a um, few side hobbies, a um, uh, few side projects on going, but um, definitely, primarily, yeah, touring and pushing that to the highest it can be. Um there's a small stage where I was pushing some other things like with poetry, but as far as my main income and everything, it's definitely yeah, touring. So I have another question for you, but I think that to keep this linear, I want you to tell me, like, tell me all the other artists you've worked with now, like from Why Don't We and everything there, just like uh, for the second of like, because I'm proud of you, because I want okay. you to be like, yo, I've done some big ass shit. Ass uh, shit. <laughs> okay. Um... So it would have been the Cigarettes into Wolf Alice. Um, what one did you just mention? Why don't we? Yeah. Um, Carlos Santana. What? Um, yeah. Sick. He's a lovely man. Eight <laughs> weeks I did with him in Europe. And I got a rose from him in my hotel room <laughs> after a 16-hour bus ride. He gifted all the crew members a rose with a handwritten letter. Like, <laughs> sorry for grueling that and sharing your light with us. Wow. It was mad, bro. Wow. Um, uh young the giant i did they're from the state yeah um uk artist stormzy who's my newest client who i'm really excited about he's huge in the uk yeah um who else is it falls falls yeah of course falls yeah. they're a big uh, rock band in the uk um but yeah primarily i'm um, this year was booked with falls and stormzy before covid cool cool yeah i just i wanted to talk about that because like i mean I didn't know, it was only bef right before we started talking on this <laughs> podcast that you kind of caught me up to speed and I'm so proud and I'm so impressed. Oh, and it's man, so, I didn't realize that you coming back to it after that little bit was so popping and like, that's oh. so cool to hear. I'm so glad it played out like that. Uh, yeah. And to be honest, if it didn't, it would have been, yeah, well, I guess my last memory is it wouldn't have been negative, but it wouldn't have ever reached. Like I had just started doing arenas before. Yeah. Um, I had the break, but then ever since, you know, it's like headline tour arenas pretty consistently, like headline festivals um, and like just being pushed and pushed. And 
the tour I did last October with the boy band, the last tour I did with them, I had my own truck. I had two assistants out for the whole tour. Um, and, you know, we can't bank in a certain country. And after two shows, you've got 150 grand in cash in your bag, like, to bank. Just, that's real. Yeah, it's that's suddenly, like... Suddenly, it's fucking ridiculous. You know what I mean? I mean, that that is really doing it at one of the highest levels. And to to have to think back to knowing you on your first almost Bro, first you tour to me now. like yeah and you were like the first person to even like you were the you were the first person i saw as a merch person so this is yeah. fucking weird it's it's <laughs> so full circle it's so crazy and, and legitimately dude like this doesn't it doesn't feel like we're like trying to do a podcast right now i feel like i'm just catching up with my know, friend and like <laughs> i'm really fucking proud of you like it's Thanks, really bro. like i didn't know all of this and hearing it and I, I really, dude, I, I think that there's such an underlying lesson in, in like just the part of your story where you you persisted on a dream and there was that minute where there's a hiccup, but to see that pay off, like I hope that inspires all sorts of people because how many people have had a that moment and given up or the, the story yeah. could have been crazy and it wasn't. So hearing this, like it legit and it inspires me and it like makes me so yeah. happy. Yeah, and that's the thing, reality is, no matter like don't get me wrong i've nowhere near where i want to get to but no no journey is smooth at all and there's going to be times where you question it especially if you're in a creative or self-employed kind of industry where you know you don't maybe have complete support all the time or someone's kind of lean on it's going to feel tough at times and there's times where you know you feel like you're not getting chosen for a tour or there's times on tour where you know i've been doing it i've been touring full time for eight years now and that you know now a nice level but there's times on tour where i get flustered sometimes and you you panic or you know you, but it's just remembering and trusting yourself i think because it's so easy to i don't know i've had times where i go into other like i feel very safe in merch world but if i try a different endeavor it's quite easy to feel you know nervous and stuff but you just have to remember and relate to the same thing you did before that you're going to learn as you go and it's just part of the journey i think that was so well said and i think that it's i I deeply relate to that. And I would imagine mm. a lot of people do. But the fact that you had the courage to keep pushing it and doing it and feel uncomfortable and remind yourself of that is something that I think if more people applied, there would be happier people and, and more accomplished stories. So I, I really respect that anytime I hear it. So my other question, now that we've kind of caught up on that and me catching up with my pal, <laughs> at what point did you get so goddamn cool without What are you noticing? talking about, man? I you remember. Say this I have no idea what you're saying. Okay, my guy. Because <laughs> the last time that I was hanging out with you, kicking it in person, you were just young, innocent Jack Payne. Didn't have any cool tattoos. Didn't have crazy cool style. You weren't a poet. You... There's something happened from afar where I'm like, this kid, the most, the coolest style, like you're throwing together the most ridiculous clothes, a bunch of tattoos you know the best out of thing about it is, Do you know what the best thing about it is? Please, I, what? I, I fucking, I'll be at the truck loading it at the end of the night in pink corduroy trousers. <laughs> when did this part happen? Of why I, get, I think that's part of why I get remembered, you know, by PMs, is that I'm actually right at my job, but I dress like a fucking weirdo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it must have been just spending quite a lot of time in LA to be honest this could give me quite a lot of confidence yeah. um, with that aspect of just feeling open and you know I don't really give a fuck about what I look like and it, it took a while to get there and 
I do remember kind of having that switch where, do you know what? I can kind of relate it, even part of it to this time last year, like February, March last year, 2019, I was on tour with an artist called Gus Datterton. Yeah. He's from New York. You should check him out. He's brilliant. But he is. I'm familiar. Yeah, you're, most... you're wearing his shirt right now. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't realize. Fucking <laughs> um, hell. Fanboy. I only work for bands to love. <laughs> I like um, that. No. Um, he is one of the most unique, but awesome incredible lovely kind-hearted people i've ever met and he just doesn't care and but not in like a way that i don't know it just it just opened my eyes a lot and i just feel really comfortable in who i am and i just embrace it and it just yeah. makes me happy so i don't know that's, that's i don't know if know, it's you, cool though <laughs> no but like you said it like that i i see that and i feel it of like you are very comfortable with who you are and you i can tell that it's like you see that switch in a lot of people right of just like yeah. you kind of grow into your own skin, become your own person and find your yeah. style and find your voice. And yeah. I feel like I really saw that from afar and it's fun to talk That's to you it. about it because, <laughs> you know, it's like when I was last kicking it with you in person, it wasn't that person. And now no. it's like, damn, all right. He hit yeah, his stride. Yeah, right. That's cool. Yeah, definitely see what you're saying. And that's why I always definitely. say that to you. I'm like, damn, yeah. my little brother got cooler than me. Yeah, and do you know what? I forget that there's only a few people really like, I still stay in touch with a lot of people, but there's so many people I've met through touring that, it's hard to always stay in touch with everyone, but yourself definitely. Like you've seen me from the beginning, you saw like yeah. basically prepubescent boy. <laughs> yeah, just I, you were tall as shit from day one. <laughs> you were super tall, super gangly, and just kind of super gangly. Yeah, yeah, kind of. I think I remember just like a swoopy-ish kind of bowl cut, nothing crazy, yeah. just nice, quiet, yeah. very quiet, very shy. But was I? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Silently just planning. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, again, like that's why this of all podcasts to have known you from such an early age and really to watch you build a, a very impressive career and resume. What a wild experience to talk about this. It's nuts. So good. I love so it. talk to me about like within that, you started two things that I want to hear about is you started writing poetry and doing that really well. Oh, fuck three things. Maybe poetry, you found a lane there style and fashion. Not only did you start like dressing in a way where it was definitely like you dressing yourself, right? Like it didn't feel like you were just like following a trend. Like you kind of found no, your yeah. flow. Um, and then what was my other one? Oh, your podcast. Uh, you just started a podcast. Yeah. So not uh, only have you grown in your career, you really have found yourself in some other creative endeavors. Yeah. But do you know what? So with the poetry, basically, I was I, I jumped off a tour with with um, one of the artists I work for. And as sometimes, I guess, becoming friends with people that have followings and stuff and having those relationships, um, a I, you know followers came over to my page and um I was starting to try and push my own projects and I'd always kind of written privately and never released anything um but I just slowly started releasing stuff through Instagram just just written stuff um and I made a basically self-released a poetry book with film images like disposable images to go alongside that um I'd written and found in a, um taken in LA and I just self-released it and only made a hundred but they went the first day and then I decided to do a second one and just kept trying to push that and playing the Instagram game as trying to, you know, do my own project as well as touring. Um, and I just started trying to, I don't know, I just, I guess I'd been given myself this confidence that maybe I could push myself as a brand and in some way um, rather than just 
always being a crew member. I just, I just thought it was exciting. Didn't necessarily always see a business. He just thought it'd be a fun endeavor. That was definitely the poetry side of things. But with that, I've now started trying to push it into spoken words. So I'm rebranding that, but going to start trying to release um, spoken words. So that's why I'm working on a bit at the moment. But um, with the podcast, that is also another brand new endeavor. Um, I've only recorded three episodes, but that's trying to um, basically speak to creatives and self-employed people and just trying to go into like specific highs and lows with people that are open about going into them and just really how what they maybe overcame benefited them in the long run um just to try and you know give hope or like inspire others um, i'm so here then, for that hell yeah what's it called um, how so do people find um, it behind what you see cool oh, it's um, aptly named. It's on spotify like that. and itunes yeah um and to be honest this podcast was a big inspiration like i've listened to all of your episodes i fucking love this shit dude so it's great it, to be on here what a full circle moment too it's Honestly. like i legitimately like i see you in your own lane like really doing the thing so like hearing that in any way i have been an inspiration or anything before oh, that is like that's a in huge touring, honor to me podcast. bro like and even in do you know what being a good person like that's the what like as long as i've known you you've been the bubbly upfront but like honest person and that's like all you can kind of ask from someone so i've always always taken something from knowing you dude that like that that means a lot to me because I see what you're doing and I see a positive impact and you trying to like spread even more of that. And it's like, if that's the chain ripple or if that's like the effect that you get from that, the chain reaction of that, or the ripple effect, uh, damn, that's cool. That's cool to know that yeah. I was a part of that. So thank you. Of um, course, bro. Damn. So, okay. So that's the podcast. Yeah, you talked to me about the poetry. poetry. And then yeah. the clothing side of things. I basically, I just, it, you know, during COVID, um i i lost all my touring work for the year and all my dates are now rescheduled till 21 um yeah. so i'm just trying to adapt trying to stay creative trying to um one not be feel lazy but also got got some bills to pay because the government support only covers so much um yeah so at first at the start of covid i jumped in a grocery store for a few weeks just to help out in the community but also then obviously um top myself up a little bit but i just started um working with bleach and like using garments like hoodies sweats and then moved on to denim jackets and basically just painting with bleach and patchwork and um actually a merch company that i work with really kind and sent me a bunch of um, like two-piece sweatsuits for me to bleach and um, do patchwork on so just uh yeah upcycling denim and doing bleach work and then selling them through like a site and instagram so just trying trying to yeah just have little things i'm dipping in like none of them I, I also get quite discouraged sometimes with them because obviously I have my main gig, which is touring. Um, so when I'm doing these other projects, you know, it's, it's definitely feels like a hobby. So I try not to put too much pressure on myself, but obviously I'm still trying to push it in that way. But it's just a work in progress, I guess. That's cool, dude. That's real cool. I think everybody gets discouraged at times. But I, I like from afar again in the homies catching yeah. up. It doesn't. It doesn't uh, feel like something to be discouraged by. It feels like you're doing it on a very real level. Yeah, and I appreciate that. It's also just you got, a, especially at a time like this. It's just a case of balancing real life with, you know, the things that I hope to create and push um, in a, in a long way. Just because, you know, during this time you've got to make ends meet when things aren't completely perfect. And my main gig is, you know, months and months away now. So just having fun but also making making things work 
Yeah, I think you're doing that in a good in a good way. That yeah. you found a good balance there. Yeah, tell but me, I'm not going to give up. I'm just going to keep pushing it. So it'll be fine. <laughs> good, please do. <laughs> We're getting close to our time, but one other thing I wanted to talk about because we kind of alluded to this was like you've really carved out a lane as a merchandise manager. You've gone from all sorts of different levels of it. You've gotten good at it. You keep doing it. But what is life like? Like, is that the pinnacle, or like, where do you see yourself for future parts of your career? So basically, with getting the offer with um, the artist I mentioned earlier, Stormzy, at the end of last year, where he's at, I would say that right now he's he's at his peak, and I've never had an artist at his level be at their peak whilst I'm working for them, if that makes sense. So I really, really want to ride out um, the next, you know, as long as I'm booked with him and Foles, because also I've just taken on a gig with Foles as their production assistant. So. Cool. I do want to now dive into maybe accepting and working in tours with production managers as their assistant so that I can become a part of a core crew rather than just being um, sent from a merch company to work for an artist. I'd rather, you know, look into maybe in the future being in a production team so that I can just have maybe one or two artists that I just work with worldwide rather than with merch. You're quite often thrown onto a lot of different gigs. Yeah, yeah. So I would say pushing through to carry on touring with merch at the highest level and being like recognized as that and being one of the top dogs, I guess. And then um, I want to start basically being a 17 year old again, going into the production world. <laughs> God, and start I, learning. Love I love that. I, and I think that people that are continuously obsessed with learning are the ones that become so good at everything and mm-hmm. really go on to have success when you're humble enough to always chase learning yeah. and make yourself uncomfortable. And also the way I see it, if I can make it so that my schedule as I'm learning the production world is if I can do, you know, half the year where I'm touring at the highest merch level, which I'm very comfortable with, that can basically pay my salary. So if I'm, you know, being a production assistant on a smaller gig or learning for less, I'm, I'm covering myself, you know. So at least I have that. I'm not just a learning as a production assistant with nothing else. Like I've got yeah. the merch as well. So And also from the years of touring, I'm lucky that I've got people that will back me and um, take me under their wing and things like that. That's amazing. So my last question then is for anybody listening to this that relates to your story where it's like finding music all in on it, but not necessarily wanting to be an artist, like loving being a part of the crew and finding magic in that and maybe even specifically wanting to get into merchandise. What, uh, like, what would you recommend? What would you, what's the advice to somebody that's chasing that lane? Young you. yeah, I mean, so because only because I was from a small place where there wasn't really a music venue, there wasn't really a scene where I was from, which is why I took the internet route of cold emailing um, yeah. and basically creating, you know, becoming friends with people online and trying to connect with people that way. But if you're from somewhere where there's a local music scene or a venue, just reach out to people and, and go go and be a face and go to shows and try and because I still believe in some of these in these cities and stuff. I know there's mostly everything on the internet, but there's still got to be like a small local scene that exists where, you know, in Brighton, I know there is, there's a cool rock and punk scene where people go into shows and hang in and, you know, climbing the ladder together. So try and just, you know, be a part of a scene and reach out. Don't be scared to reach out to people with internships. Like the internet is the most powerful tool in the world as well. Like you can literally create anything from it and also connect with anyone on it. So use your resources and, don't kind of give up at the first hurdle and just find what drives you because if it doesn't drive you, you're ultimately not going to probably find happiness for it or want to do it for a long time. Um, I guess merch was the first thing I connected with it, fell in love with it and 
I'm still doing it, which kind of shows. Um, so I chose, I would say, try and connect to something that you really love and just pursue that. I mean, yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. I like that. And I think that's proof. Like, I don't think you need to chase necessarily the most glamorous job, right? Because a lot of times yeah. people are like, oh, I don't want to do merch or whatever, right? That can yeah. be looked at as 100%. like the not fun gig, yeah. but you found it and you loved it and you got really good at it. So I think that like embracing the thing that you just fuck with and love is so important. Yeah. And I can speak to your credit in that advice of, I think we gave you the chance in the very beginning because you were so genuinely nice and excited. Like you had, you know, like you were 17. Like it wasn't yeah. like some like professional, and like there oh, was he's no way great I could hide it. I wasn't like trying to sell anything. Like I was, it wasn't yeah. like, oh, I'll come on tour and I can do this. It was like, I'm just a kid that fucks with you guys. And this is something yeah. I maybe kind of want to go into. Like that's kind of all it was. It was just very upfront, but it was sincere and it was honest. And it, it was, was so pure. sincere. Yeah, it exactly. And I think that that, that at least for us and on the experience that I can speak, that spoke so highly and we wanted yeah. somebody that was just excited and, and honestly wanted to yeah. do it. So. And obviously not that. every, yeah, not every band, not everyone listening to this that might want to go into a touring position is going to luckily maybe have a band that is as, have the situation work out how I had it where, you know, you connect with an yeah. artist that actually, you know, you end up flying to America and it works out and you can work with them and it's, it's great. But, but the lesson is still there. The lesson is still there. It's just in an extreme way. The lesson's still there that you can reach out to anyone and anyone can maybe help, use your help or you can be of service to someone or it can just work both ways and the opportunities are there if you can find them. Yeah, dude, I, I love that. Well, <laughs> I think we did the damn thing. My guy. My guy? Dude, next time I'm in LA, we are not missing a hang. We are absolutely not. It is long overdue. You need to teach me how to dress better. Or we need... bloody trip to the UK, my guy. Oh, son. Dude, I, I, yeah, I haven't been back overseas since probably like 2013. I haven't, I'm due. So yeah, wouldn't hate that. Um, tell me briefly, I know we spoke about the podcast, but anybody listening to this, uh, where can they find everything that you're doing? Where's the best way to keep up with you? Uh, I keep mostly uh, everything updated on my Instagram, which is uh, it's Jack Payne, I-T-S, Jack Payne, P-A-Y-N-E. Um, cool. I update, you know, any projects I'm doing, it all goes through my Instagram. So that'd be great. Thanks. Easy, easy. Cool, dude. Well, thank you so much again. This was thank really, really fun to catch up and tell these stories. Hell yeah, bro. I appreciate you having me. This has been great. Absolutely loved it. So there you have it, Jack Payne's story. Super crazy, full circle thing, and just seeing him grow into what he's become was so freaking cool. If you made it this far and you liked the episode, share it with a friend. It really does help so, so much. Spreading the word on social media, subscribing on Spotify, all those things help it get discovered by more people, which just helps it grow and lets me talk to more people. If you wanna go above and beyond and do the biggest favor, I just made a website for the podcast, whereareallmyfriends.com. On it, there's a donate button. Do not feel obligated, but if you want to help support the show, I don't do ads and donating helps just with the costs of keeping a podcast up, the website, the hosting, the editing, all that stuff, upgrading gear. If you want to donate, that's awesome. If not, no worries. Just keep telling your friends about it and keep listening. I'll be back next week with another episode. Have a great week.